Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. She saw her children playing in the backyard and she thought of what was going on in their little heads. So caught up in their games and their imagination that they could not possibly have any care or concern about health issues, things on the other side of the world or some other continent, the bills, the burden of finances, political ruin, countries at war, none of that. Trying to think back when she was a child, she wondered if they could possibly for a moment, without knowing that it, or even thinking about any of these things, if they could know just how good they had it. Father was talking to his teenage daughter who was going through high school, about to enter into college, and she was complaining about how some of the homework and some of the exams and the papers were a bit difficult, and he was just kind of smiling and thinking, oh man, those were the days when I thought that was the hardest part of life. Just wait. And then he started to talk to her about how she had such wonderful friends and wonderful experiences, so much fun, and he even said to her, do you, do you know how good you have it right now? A young adult just launches onto the scene. Their new job, such independence. Everything is new. They don't need anybody. Such life, such energy, such zeal with everything that they, they tackle. Many of you who are much older now, as you look back to those first years, did you know how good you had it? Young parents with young children, they start to get their children ready for bed. And if any of you are young parents now, you kind of look at me already with a tired look on your face because they never settle down. You start to joke about whether or not you want to give them a shot or some medicine of something, but then you start to wonder like if you're actually kidding or not, because they just never stop. And then you got the jammies of the all different sizes, especially with multiple children. And no, you can't have another snack after dinner before bed. That's, that's not a good idea. And then you got the book, or just one more book, just one more story, just one more story. And they're delaying and they're using all of these stealth tactics to try and, and then you try and brush their teeth. Then you try to brush their teeth. And then he's got to send the oldest one back in because he missed like three quarters of his mouth. This isn't what happens at our house at all. <laughs> and then you finally get them settled down and, oh, dad, one more thing. Oh, mama, one, oh, dad, one more thing. And then one whimpers. And, and, then, and then you walk downstairs and you kind of look at each other with this like frazzled look in your face. And, and then you talk to people who are, who are past that phase as their little ones who are all grown up. And then what, what are those people who have their little ones all grown up? What do, what do they say? Do you know how good you have it? You, you, you're going to miss that someday. And maybe as the kids grew up, you, you, you might forget just how good you had it at the next phase or the next phase. We are perpetually in this trajectory in life where no matter where we are, we kind of put our heads down and we kind of plow through. And because of that tendency to plow, we, we kind of forget just how good we have it in the moment. I mean, just in the last two weeks, I have talked to parents, some, several of them being you, who've, who've said something to me like, well, yeah, and then they grow up, or you're going to miss this, or, or something else. And, and because you know it, we, we all are on this trajectory where we kind of fail to appreciate where it is, where we are right now, and because of that, we fail to see just where we are, and therefore just how good we have it right now, and what's uniquely special about where you are right now. Yes, from birth even to 
where you are now, no matter how old. And since, not even if, since that is the case for our earthly life with every stage, is that not also the case with our life as a Christian? The first moments that you came in, into contact with God's word and his grace, maybe it was at the, the font of baptism where the spirit came into your life by his power and through the word. Maybe it was later on in life as you grew in wisdom and in understanding as a child so full of wisdom and eager to know more, you just grabbed onto these things. As a young teenager, you remember wrestling with doubts. Maybe even now you might consider yourself to be an elderly person and you know that you will never stop growing and learning and appreciating the mystery of God's grace in Christ Jesus and how he administered everything for your good. Do you know how good you have it? Do you? Like, I could give you examples of people in China who, no joke, real story, opened up a suitcase of Bibles which were outlawed in that province. And these people were crying because for years all they wanted was, was a Bible. I could, I could tell you story upon story about people in Pakistan who, who get a little publication that is smuggled into them and it tells them about the mystery of God's grace and it's blowing their mind and they're crying over it, not just because of them, but because it's reaching the heads and the hearts of their children, because they never had that when they were children. Wow, do you know how good you have it? Too easily we exist in this world. No matter how much experience we have with God's word, no matter how many stanzas we're singing in a hymn, and it might seem long, and no matter how many times we've been in God's word and we just kind of just kind of get in this rut. And maybe it's because it's a new year and I get to give you this added challenge only at this time of the year. Or maybe it's just because I know you're here for the right reasons and you want to grow in God's word, but maybe I get to challenge you with this today and myself. Do we really know how good we have it? To have God's word and the mystery of his grace revealed to us and to know that he ordered all of these things for our personal benefit. That's what God makes clear to us today. Not so we would take it for granted but rather so we would see just how good we have it. And in order to do that, I, I invite you to have that lesson I read to you before from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 to 12. I invite you to have that lesson open. Paul is making very clear, God, the Holy Spirit, is working through Paul to make very clear and to help you and I to see just how good we have it as he administers all things for our good. As, as you look at the first words, he says, surely you ought to know this. It, the best way that I could probably illustrate this is if you think of walking into a conversation and, and these people are talking about something huge that happened and you kind of walk in, have you ever done the bobblehead where you're not really sure what they're saying, but you're kind of doing this thing? Yeah. And then one of them kind of catches on that you think you're kind of acting like you know, but you don't really know. I'm like, sure, surely you, you kind of get this thing that everybody knows, right? And you're like, and then you finally kind of cave in and admit it, like, yeah, I didn't really know, but I was just kind of nodding because it's embarrassing that I didn't know. And then they kind of tell you, Paul is telling them something that is incredible. He's telling them something that everybody in that area knew. Surely you know about this. And especially, what does he say? You know about how God has, has, uses this word of administration. It's, it's as if God is lifting us up into his head to view just a little bit through his eyes how he ordered and administered all these things for the good of the Ephesian Christians. These people didn't know anything about God except that God sent a missionary into their midst. And God ordered all of these things in a way that nobody ever would have designed. But how did he do it? Well, Paul makes that very clear. What does he say? He says, that this is something that God made very clear to me for you. 
We're talking about Saul, right? I mean, Paul was his name later on, but do you remember who Saul was, right? Saul of Tarsus? This was the guy that went around persecuting Christians. He was the one gathering cloaks when people were stoning Stephen, if you remember hearing about him in, in the book of Acts, because of his profession of faith in the truth that is God's word revealed in Christ, crucified and risen, they stoned him. And who's the guy who's saying, you know, you, you're going to use more of your arms and, and you know, your chest. You're going to probably take your cloaks off. Let me hold your cloaks for you and kind of nod in approval as you're stoning Stephen to death. That was Saul. And then you remember what happened when he's on his way to Damascus to go persecute him some more Christians. The risen Lord Jesus appeared to him and kind of put it into that. Jesus, the risen Lord, kind of has a way of doing that. And he changed Saul, the great one, to this now humble servant, Paul, who would now go from mass persecutor to mass missionary. Who would administer and orchestrate such a plan? Well, the God of all grace. Grace not just to Saul, now Paul, but God's grace that is now through Paul for Christians like those in Ephesus. Isn't that amazing? Can you think of another time when God kind of took the whole world and not just a snapshot of the globe at one time, but all of history and outside of time, he did, he did this great orchestration and made sure that it all worked so that people who you would think would be the last people on the planet to come and see Jesus, newly brought into the world, the, the Son of God and the person of Jesus Christ, and he, and he would bring them through this great administration in a way we never would have thought of, using a star and going to Herod, and then they open up the prophet, Micah, and then they hear, and then the star. Can you think of another time when God, out of his, you could call it wisdom, and it is. You can even say power, because that's what it took, of course, with the star. But you cannot walk away and say that it is anything greater than his grace. That he would bring these, we call them what? Wise men, this think tank, people in this distant nation, who would have known something about this, because of God and his word, who would have been looking for something like this because of God and his word, and then because of his grace, God would administer all of these things so people, the last people on planet earth, who you would ever think to come and see Jesus, who would ever get to know the mystery of God's grace revealed in Christ. Can you think of a time? Of course, it's what we've been talking about all morning, what we talked about with the children, that, that God would bring these magi? Why? Why would God bring distant people seemingly for no reason? Because this is what the God of all grace does who orders things so that his grace would reach distant nations and tribes and even the last people you would think on earth. Let me ask you, can you think of other people who otherwise living in a world of darkness and not just the dark world around them because of what we see in culture and politics and disease and fears of the future, conflict around the world, not even just because of the darkness out there, but when they're honest and humble, in the quiet moments of their own heart, they see the darkness of, of their own fears and the things that they never should have said or done to the people they love the most, the way that they do have failed to help the people that are closest to them and, and even children under their care, people who fail to see how good they have it, not even just with the country in which they live, not even just the family and the loved ones that they've been given, but also people who've been, who've been given such a revelation, such a clear picture of all of God's word. 
And they, and they walk around as though, as though it's at, I mean, I know this is crazy. They walk around as though what they know about God revealing his grace, this is crazy to even say. But sometimes it's boring. They'll, they might even think that. In, in the, even the darkness of their own heads and hearts, they will hear about the God of heaven. We're talking about God who makes clear his plan to reach them. And at times it's his, his word packed in a book. It sits on a coffee stand under a remote control, which gets more use. Under a phone, which gets way more use. It, it can even be an app on their phone, but social media and email and text messaging, if you compare the pie chart, it's the app of the Bible is just a sliver. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that there are people like that? I can. I don't have to look any farther than the person that I see in the mirror. And yet, you know what is amazing? The God who exists outside of eternity, who gives you and me a glimpse of this, tells us that he, knew, he knows all things. And even knowing that, he ordered all things for people like me. <laughs> you know what we call that? It's a, it's a mystery. I mean, we can't really wrap our brains around it. We assign words to it like grace and forgiveness and love. But it's really unfathomable, isn't it? And yet God has done all of this by, by sending even the types of stars into my life, like the pastors that I've had. They were Saul's converted to Paul's in their own right. Undeserving of this noble calling to preach God's riches because of the, their history. And yet God changed them by the power of his spirit and gave them what we call the gospel. You know what that word means, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. So that like, like a star, they would shine the light of God's word into my life so I would know that I'm not destined to ruin because of me failing to see how good I have it. But instead, I would know just how greatly I have it in God's grace. And you know what? God still does that for me. He sends other people into my life who show me this very thing. And he sends people into your life too. And God's done all of this by, by what seems to be so silly. It's almost as silly as like a star leading people or prophecy or, or something else. A child being the savior of the world. It's simple words. It's the good news. And yet what seems to be simple is beyond profound. It's so simple that a child can hear it and know it and believe it and preach it better than any of us adults. It's so simple that you can share it with anyone. This mystery that we would have no idea how to describe has been made known to us through the gospel. And my friends, by God's grace, I don't just pray and hope that you know how good you have it. I know that you know how good you have it. A clear example is that you're here. You know what Western North Carolinians do when the temperature drops anywhere close to 30? We don't go anywhere. Even if snow was way up there, that's within 100 miles of here. Close enough. 
But it can be rain or shine or sleet or snow. And, and even if really honestly you're unable to get here and you would prefer to be here, I, I know that you know how good you have it because I know what you would do. I mean, think about this. The fact that you are here, the fact that you can look at where you are in history and look at parents and previous pastors and current pastors and teachers and family members, and you get this, you can even recite stories and retell this ministry of God's administration of his grace in Christ. The fact that you can do that, what does that tell you about God? It's that he loves you, yes. It's that he saved you, yes. But it is also so that you would know how good you have it so that you would, as Paul said towards the end of our lesson, you would now be able to share this with others. Tell me, who is like a star that has been put into the lives of the people around you who do not know of this? It's confusing to them. It's frustrating to them. They're hidden in the darkness of their guilt. They're hidden behind the confusion of culture. They're hidden behind what seems to be the power of politicians around them. And they're so worried about all these earthly things that they have no time, maybe even not even a moment to pause to think about the eternal things of God's grace. Tell me, who has God put in their life to be a star? Not because you are so smart and not because your track record is spot clean and not because you are more eloquent than a child telling you the Christmas story. We're not but simply because of his grace and his administration. Who has God put in their life? Your coworkers, your neighbors, your family members, your friends. Maybe some of you, it's your children. Maybe some of you, it's your parents. Who has God put in their life? And you might say with, with Paul, I am pastor. I'm the last person. Join the club. Paul's the chairman. I think I'm up there too with the last of the least of people who belong saying whatever they're saying because it's not about who we are. It's about who God made us to be, right? So you might even be tempted to say, I I'm the last person. Guess what? This that excuse doesn't work. In fact, that kind of makes you a perfect candidate. <laughs> so the one thing you and I cannot say is not just as we approach a new year and maybe a new phase in our life. The one thing we cannot say is that we can do nothing. The one thing that we have to say is that we get to do not even just something, we get to do this incredible thing because we know how good we have it and we can't help but look at every single soul around us who needs forgiveness for their guilt, peace in the face of their fears, and joy in the face of frustration and anger. We can't help but want that for them too. So they would walk around not just in life, but in eternity with us, and they too would know just how good they have it. There was a, a man who was sitting there listening to Bach play one of his cantatas for the first time. Do you think he knew how good he had it in that moment? One of Van Gogh's neighbors saw A Starry Night, that famous painting, shortly after he had painted it. Do you think that neighbor knew how good he had it? There was once these people who, if given the opportunity, they would have preferred to look through history and to see people who can gather around in freedom without fear of persecution, 
who can see all of God's purposes played out in Christ. They're, they're not looking forward to, to Christ to come the first time because he already did. They, they actually are already looking forward to Christ coming the second time. These, these people think of Old Testament believers who, if given the opportunity, wish that they could have everything that you and I have, the whole thing laid out in one book for you and me, the administration of God's grace. Do you think that, you think that as they would look at you and me, they would say, man, I wonder if they know how good they have it? If given the opportunity, you think they would ask that? I think they would. I think they would. But you know what God gives you and me today? He doesn't just open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds to see how, this, how true this is and what this means for you and me. But he even gives us this special zeal and desire to recognize where we exist right now in history, to know just how good we have it. So that there's no other time except for the right now to, to commemorate exactly what God has done for us in our own epiphany as God has revealed his son to us. But also to know that, yeah, less than the least of anybody we might be, but God has made us to be heralds and sharers of this mystery which has been made clear so that others would join you and me and know, not wonder, but would know just how good we have it by God's grace. May God grant that to us all. Amen. Please.